Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Down the block, Andrew John. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle has won. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast, round four, done and dusted. We're going to do our rapid round review, uh, quickly becoming one of the favourite podcasts of the week for you guys based on the numbers. Uh, a few thousand people tuned into this one last week, which is really good to see. Uh, so we'll go through it again Monday morning, just my initial reaction, sort of going through all of my notes uh, from all the games over the weekend that we'll talk more about on Bloke in a Bar later today, which you'll hear on this podcast uh, tomorrow during the day. So just go through some things that I pointed out from each game. Uh, the first game, the Gold Coast Titans knocking over the Tigers in, uh, unfortunately, probably the most West Tigers thing to ever happen to the West Tigers. Very, very tough to watch this one. Um, you know, they, they took the penalty goal at the back end, which... I know in hindsight, people are roasting them for what happened, but I mean, the reality is they went for the short kick off the Tigers, got the ball back. It was just incredibly unlucky. I mean, the try that the Titans scored, it was a bad kick from Toby Sexton. You can you can disguise it however the hell you want to disguise it. It was a bad kick by Toby Sexton. You will not convince me any other way. Hit the post. Jock Madden happened to get the ball anyway. Then he just happened to knock on in his own in goals. I mean, incredibly tough for Tigers fans. Just heartbreaking stuff. And I know people are saying, oh, that's what you get for taking the penalty goal. Up by two or up by four, there's no difference. But, I mean, they wasted another 90 seconds. They got the ball back. I just think this is unlucky um, from the Tigers. I thought Jock Madden, very unlucky in this game to drop that ball at the end. I thought he was really good. I think he's been one of their better players over the last few weeks, Jock. I'm a huge fan of him. Um, and, you know, this is the way that um, these games go sometimes, unfortunately. I mean, the stats in this game were as bad as the teams, realistically. Um, top tackles were 36 and 34. Mofot Awaker and Alex Twoll, not much doing there. No one ran for over 200 metres. Jermaine Asako ran for 190. He topped the game and 
got to be honest with you, he wasn't overly impressive in this game. So it's one of those ones for the Titans that they'll take the W. They'll never watch this one again. They'll happily never watch it again. They'll move on. Shout out to the Titans uh, back five, though, who, you know, I spoke about the other day saying they might, they might be the most underrated in the comp. Uh, their running meters, Isako 190, Corey Thompson 169, Brian Kelly 143, Paddy Herbert 129, Greg Marshall 143. So out of their back five, uh, least amount of run meters was Patrick Herbert, who ran for 129 meters and 70 post-contact meters. He was also the lowest in their post-contact. So to get 70 post-contact meters and you're the worst in the back line, paired up with 130 run meters, uh, very, very impressive there. So well done to the Titans back five. Um, But yeah, look, outside of that, this game... Pretty damn average, to be honest with you. Um, I'm glad this one is over. This was a really tough watch. The The end was exciting, and it, I mean, uh, exci- if, if a bad kick coming off the post into a knock-on and the end goals into AJ Brimson falling on the ball was uh, exciting, then, I mean, take it for what it is. We had AJ Brimson as one of our anytime try scorers. It's funny, I had someone say that they actually took him first and last try scorer, so they won that bet. He was the only try scorer, which is un. Believable. Uh, not many games that go without tries. A lot, a lot of games that do go without tries, especially in the modern era, they do tend to have a try in the last five minutes or so. I remember a great clash between the Dragons and the Eels about 15 years ago that went sort of in a similar fashion, but both teams actually played pretty well that night. I think it was Benny Hornby that ended up scoring a try in that game. Might have been Johnny Morris, actually. Might have to get random stats guy on that one, but yeah, you don't see this sort of stuff all that often and you know at this point it's sort of I know that both these teams played poorly but it sort of continued the narrative of the really close games uh, all round and then all of a sudden the round just opened up super exciting we had Friday night the first game the Cronulla Sharks taking on the Newcastle Knights Uh, shout out to Aiden Tolman 300th first grade game a guy that's never played Origin never played Rep um, you know, has been in the Melbourne Storm system, moved up to Canterbury, now the Cronulla Sharks, champion player. To play 300 games is incredible. When you think about the names that he's lined up against, he's lined up with in that 300-game club, just incredible. So congratulations to Aiden Tolman, scoring the first try when he came off the bench in his 300th game. Uh, just the perfect narrative. And shout-out on that try to Blake Braley. He's looked sensational to start this season. And the deception that he showed on that play, uh, without taking anything away from Aiden Tolman, you can put that down to Blake Braley. That was just incredible. Look at the Sharkies. Kicked one from four goals, um, Nico Hines. Uh, still needs to work on that goal kicking, but they're just in total control of these games. The Newcastle Knights, they're a good side. I bagged them in the preseason, and people are probably expecting me to bag them off the back of this, but I, I just, I genuinely think the Sharks are just a top-shelf team. You go to Shark Park to play the Sharks, it's always going to be tough. That 18-0, I mean, realistically, it could have quite easily been 24 or 26-0 if they hit their goals. 24-0 it could have been, um, which is a little bit different to 18-0, but still, uh, a pretty disappointing performance from Newcastle. Not really sure what is going on with Kalen Ponga there at the moment. We spoke about it last week, whether they could afford to pay him as much as, you know, what they were talking about. Not not if they... Sorry, I shouldn't say if they can afford it. If they need to pay him as much as what they were saying start of the year. Uh, I just... Yeah, pretty disappointing performance from him. You have a look through his stats. I mean, he had 37 touches of the football, which really isn't too bad. He should be doing a fair whack with 37. Um, but, yeah, no no attacking stats, really. Uh, yeah, pretty disappointing, to be honest with you. Very unlike KP. He just looks a little bit lost at the moment. I think in Supercoach, he scored nine points. He had 37 touches of the ball, and he scored nine. I mean, he ran for 104 metres off 16 runs. 
not bad, but you expect more than 104 metres from KP off 16 runs. Uh, 25 post contact. I mean, outside of that, there was just no other attacking stats. No offloads. One, no, no tackle breaks. I mean, just just hard to watch from KP. And I, I, I don't want to single KP out and sort of have a crack at him. But when you are the captain, when you are the main guy, you need to be doing more for your side. I mean, I, I sort of expected the end of the game for him to be around the 25 touches. He got 37, to be fair. But very interesting situation there at Newcastle. I'm not sure how it's all going to play out. Dango guy has been the form center of the competition so far this year, and he came up against Sivitalikai, a well-known back rower who has been who has played a bit of center here and there uh, over his career. But he's sort of been inconsistent. I said a few weeks ago that. If Sivik can put it together and play his best football, he should be a top 10 forward in rugby league. I got a heap of messages from people bagging me, but I mean, you saw that performance on the weekend against Dan Gagai, one of the best, if not the best defensive center in rugby league. He absolutely gave him a bath. And I know he wasn't playing in the forwards, but mate, 21 runs for 223 meters. So over 21 runs, he's going for 10 meters every single time. 57 post-contact meters. He had a line break assist. He had 17 tackle breaks. Now, just for a bit of context, I heard Brian Fletcher mention it on uh, Matty Johns' show last night that that game that Turbo had against the Cowboys last year where he just bullied them and he was incredible, he had 20 tackle breaks that night. So Sifa, you know, in a, in a low-scoring game, 18-0 against the Newcastle Knights, who have been one of the best defensive sides so far this year, against Dan Gagai, one of the best defensive centers in rugby league, 17 tackle breaks. Um, incredible, and I would argue that he got unlucky on a number of occasions throughout that game not to come up with more stats, more tries, more try assists. So, shout out to Sifra. I know that uh, Shandor will be very excited to talk about him um, on the podcast uh, later today, which will be sensational. Uh, I Shout out to the other centre too. I thought Jesse Ramian was really good. He had a very strong game. I was very impressed with Ramian. Probably doesn't get the attention uh, that he should, but one try assist, one line break, six tackle breaks, 130 metres, 14 tackles, zero missed tackles which I love. Um, yeah, I mean, interesting game. They uh, Both these sides completed 31 sets. The Sharks had two more sets in Newcastle, but they both completed uh, 31 sets. The Knights had 45 missed tackles, and they conceded five line breaks, which will be a serious worry for them. I don't think they've conceded that many missed tackles all season. So to concede 45, uh, unfortunately, that's a real kick in the dick for Newcastle. They'll be very, very disappointed with that. Uh, On the other side of the ball, uh, the Cronulla Sharks, how many did they miss? They only missed 19, so Newcastle more than doubled uh, their missed tackles, which is a serious worry. Um, They also made... You know, 60 or 70 more tackles than the Cronulla Sharks. So the Sharkies uh, did dominate this game. They were very strong. I'm not going to write Newcastle off off the back of this, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I just think the Sharkies side is genuinely a really good football side. I honestly think they're playing so well now that their biggest test is going to be tapering for the right end of the season, getting up again for the final series. It's a long year to go, but I look at them and I think during Origin, they might lose Mika, uh, Sorry, they might lose Nico Hines. He might play in Jersey 14, but mate, with the way Puppy and stuff is going, I wouldn't be surprised if Nico Hines isn't there. They'll probably lose Dale Finucane. He is getting older. You would still assume that Freddie picks him, but I mean, another one that I wouldn't be completely shocked if Freddie did move towards someone a little bit younger. I mean, there's a world where they don't lose any players during the origin period. So I had a mate that texted me the other day and said that he uh, he was on the Sharkies for the minor premiership. But I think it was $37 or something ridiculous. And I really don't mind that. Eh? I think they're the real deal this year. Uh, their only loss came in round one where they were unlucky against the Canberra Raiders down in Canberra, a statement game for Canberra. 
Canberra. So Sharkies, they're absolutely flying. Um, and as much as Nico Hines has been the star, I mean, there's a number of guys in this team that are performing week in, week out. I thought Britton Acora was massive for this Shark side. He was sensational the other night. Blake Braley's playing career best footy. Moiser, he's playing some great footy. Sivitalakai was sensational. The two wingers were great. Um, this side's got depth too as well, which is great to see. So this Shark side, they're the real deal this year. Not really going to write Newcastle off too much off the back of that game, though, as disappointing as it was. Uh, the Penny Panthers, the grand final replay we saw on Friday night, 7 was it 8.05 or something like that? Uh, good game, this one. I mean, South Sydney, they, uh, they they conceded two tries early. Tago and Crichton crossed the line. Crichton was one of our anytime try scorers we tipped um, this this week. We did say that that left edge would score a fair whack of points in this game. Uh, we thought it would come through Viliami Kikau. Instead, Kikau was laying them on left, right, and center. Uh, Tago scored one. Taylor May scored two. So... Just incredible stuff. I remember having a look at Kempe's uh, Bloke in a Bar page the other day after that game and just seeing some of the stats that the back five put up in that game was unbelievable. I'm just going to get it up now, and I'm sure we'll talk about it in Bloke in a Bar, on Bloke in a Bar's uh, podcast this week. But mate, that Penrith back five, we, we mentioned the Titans, how impressive they've been. Edwards ran for 289 metres. He had one try assist. Charlie Staines ran for 150 metres. Targo ran for 145 metres. One try, four tackle breaks. Crichton, 206 metres, one try. Taylor May, 204 metres, two tries and four tackle breaks. Uh, just incredible stuff from these guys. And, I mean, they're just they're just so lethal. It's not even funny. I said last week on the Bloke in a Bar podcast that... This might be the best best the best back five we've seen, which is crazy to consider. They've also missing Brian Toto. Once you throw him in, I assume Charlie Staines drops out. Once Toto returns, I think it is the best back five we've ever seen as far as coming out of your own end. They're just terrifying. And Penrith, they're going to be a hard side to beat. Nathan Cleary made his return. He looked really good. He's got so much more upside in him, though. It's not even funny. Once again, South Sydney, I didn't think they played poorly. They might be losing games, but they're not playing poorly. Uh, They're going to be the real deal this year, South Sydney. I think over the next six or seven weeks, uh, they're going to really explode against some of the teams that are at the bottom of the ladder. You've got to remember they played Brisbane at Suncorp round one. Tough gig there. Since then, they've played three teams that I think will be top four sides. So they've had it very, very tough, South Sydney. Now they come into a bit of an easier run, and I think they're going to do some pretty special things over the next two months or so. They're definitely a team that I'm excited to watch. Uh, shout out to our boy Ilias. Uh, we've said for the last few weeks that he's finding his way, he's easing his way into it. He got better and better every week, and I thought this was his best game uh, of his career so far in first grade. He was sensational. He got denied a try, which was unlucky, uh, but it's a little bit of attacking upside this guy does have. He's got a bit of an awkward movement, an awkward run, awkward palm. It all looks a little bit unorthodox, uh, but he's very effective. Threw some great balls and just directed the bunnies uh, really well in this game. I'm, I'm just going to get up the stats now because... It felt like to me that he had a lot more touches of the ball this week than he did last week. Obviously, so far this season, it's been very Cody Walker uh, dominated this week. Yeah, look at that. Lachlan Elias had 42 touches. Cody Walker had 36. Uh, Just talking off the top of my head, we're going to have a look at last week. I'll be shocked uh, if he's had more than 42 touches so far this season. Elias, you can really see uh, that he's warming to the task and he's just getting better every single week. And I think that it'll take a lot of confidence out of that. That Penrith game, uh, and I think you'll see that he he will have more and more touches 
as the season goes on. In fact, he had a heap of touches against South Sydney last week. He had about 50 there, so that's good to see. Earlier in the season when they were losing, though, uh, you know, their first two games that they lost, I'm just having a look at it now, and I might be proven wrong. Uh, As you all know, we don't hide away from anything on this podcast, so if I am wrong on this one, I'll wear that one, but I didn't feel like he was having this many touches at the start of the season. Uh, receipts against South against Melbourne, he had 50 as well. So, I mean, good on Elias. He's had, I think he's sort of flown under the radar a little bit. We've been talking about him on Bloke in a Bar. I just felt like the other night he was so much more involved than what he has been. I feel like he, as much as he's on stats, he's had as many touches as he's had the last few weeks. I just felt like he was holding the ball for longer. He was more involved. He was getting himself more involved in key spots as well. So very excited about Elias moving forward. Uh, I've been a big fan of him all preseason. Um, and yeah, very keen to see how it plays out. We mentioned kick out before, and we'll talk about this more on bloke in a bar, but the evolution of him, I posted about on Instagram the other day. I mean, we're, we're four games into this season. He's had two tries, three try assists, five line break assists in four games. He's only had three errors as well, which is great to see from Kikau. For him to average less than one error a game across four games is great, especially when you consider how many passes he's throwing as well and how many high-pressure moments he's being put into where he has to ball play quickly. Uh, the evolution of Kikau has been great. Posted about the other day, and a lot of people said, oh, yeah, but he doesn't run into the big forwards. And you know what? He doesn't, but... You're valuing Kikau on what he isn't rather than what he is, which is just stupid, yeah? Why would you want Kikau to run into the big guys and get into a dick-measuring contest every week when he can play out on the edge, he can be the best decoy in rugby league, and he can ball play like some of the best back rowers in rugby league? It just makes no sense to not like Kikau because he doesn't wrestle with the with the biggest guys in rugby league. He's an edge forward. That is what he does. And he's mastered his craft out there at the moment. We'll see if it's the same at Canterbury. It probably won't be. He's going from a gun team to another team. will be in a different system. I mean, we've seen a lot of guys go, go to this Canterbury system and not look quite as good as what they have in other systems. So if you want to hold that against Kikau when he does, sure, go ahead. But he's played in two grand finals. He's won a premiership. He was enormous in that premiership and he's hit the ground running this year. So well done to kick out. He's playing some great footy. You can see that he's worked his ass off uh, on his attacking side to be really good, and he's 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 delivering. So congratulations to kick out. Um, I'll say this about South Sydney as well. They're one and three now, which is disappointing. But to be honest with you, considering they start the start they had, I think they'd be more than happy to walk away with a one and three. Uh, it's not ideal. It could be better, but they were a field goal away from beating the Melbourne Storm in Melbourne. All of a sudden, it's a very different story. So as much as South are one and three. I think they're probably one of the greatest one and three teams ever, to be honest with you. They look sensational at the moment. As much as they're not winning and as much as they've still got a heap more upside, uh, they're going to be a team that you're not going to want to fuck around with this year. Super Saturday kicked off with a pretty scrappy game. New Zealand Warriors, 20 over the Broncos, 6. I thought Sean Johnson was sensational. What a great return. Uh, I said on the on the preview podcast, and I obviously did that on Thursday or Friday. We didn't know if SJ was going to play. I said if SJ plays, I believe the Brisbane Broncos win this one 1-12. Uh, sorry, I, I, if SJ plays, I believe the Warriors win this one 1-12. Uh, they won this one by 14 points, uh, and I thought SJ was the difference. He was great. thought Reese Walsh was really good as, t- as well. Nine tackle breaks, one line break, one try assist, one line break assist for 180 metres. Very impressive. Uh, the fella on loan from the, Bre- from the Brisbane Broncos, good-looking 
Rooster. Jesse Arthurs, very solid game, scoring two meaties. That would have meant a lot to him. Uh, SJ, you know, he, he was j- just controlling the whole, the whole game and, you know, putting through a lot of holes. But he put himself in the right spot, Jesse Arthur, which you've got to appreciate. Uh, Payne Haas, we've seen over the last 24 hours or so this video of this stink with Albert Kelly emerging, which is a little bit of a worry. It looks like it definitely is these two, but we'll wait till that is 100% confirmed. Not ideal. We don't know when it's from. Uh, but pretty fucking average form if that is what's happening up there. Not a great look. But Haas in this game, he was great. And this is probably an average game from Haas, but I still think we need to appreciate just because he sets himself at such a high standard, he's still doing things that no one else is doing. If 10 years ago, a front row would have come out and ran for 176 metres off 19 runs and had 100 post-contact metres with six tackle breaks, two offloads, 45 tackles and one missed tackle, uh, we would have spoken about it for three weeks 10 years ago. So you've got to appreciate what Payne Haas is doing despite how consistently he does do it. Incredible stuff. Uh, probably one highlight, or the highlight for the Broncos, uh, was Adam Reynolds scoring a good little try, very similar to Alan Langer back in the day, the little grubber through and regather. Haven't seen it from a Broncos 7 in quite some time, so absolutely love that. I uh, love those little moments where you see current players doing things that former players used to do in the same jersey. It's unreal. Uh, unfortunately, we've seen the 5'8", Albert Kelly go down, the other guy involved in this stink with Payne Haas. Very disappointing. They moved Stags to six during the game and played Walters at nine, which I thought was really interesting considering you had Walters and Turpin in the side. I'm not sure if Turpin got injured or something or, or, or what the reasoning was for that, but I actually don't hate the ploy, to be honest with you. Staggs, he's arguably a top three player in this team on his day. At the moment, he's barely playing like a top 17 player at the moment, though. They're worried about him not getting enough ball as it is. Does Walters potentially throw Staggs into the six for a couple of weeks and sees what happens here? I Obviously, I'm a little bit biased. I'm a huge Staggs fan. I've got him in Supercoach, so I understand that. But, fuck, it's food for thought because they, they need to be getting more out of him, realistically. He needs to be having more touches of the ball. So I think it is something that... Kevin Walters will seriously consider, and I think you'll see that Adam Reynolds will probably make that decision, but I think it's something to consider, to be honest with you. The next game, the Manly Seagulls knocked over the Canberra Raiders 25-6. Very disappointing from Canberra. They're just that inconsistent team that you really can't get a grasp on. Manly, I said that I thought they'd do the Raiders pretty well. I thought that they played really well last week against Canterbury, but the rain held them back. I said that Turbo looked really good last week, but once again, I think the rain restricted uh, what he was able to do in that game. And I think you're starting to see that Turbo is finding uh, his form again. I think he scored 100-odd in Supercoach or 90 or something. I I think he might have got a fair downgrade. But he looked great. And just to point out to you how he has sort of eased into this season, um, week one, he had 27 touches. They lost. Week two, he had 30 touches. They lost. Uh, Week three, he had 36 touches. They won. And last week, he had 42 touches, and they won. So it's improved every single week from week one to week four. uh, He's gone up, you know, 15 touches a game, which is great to see. Should be worth noting that last year, when he had his unbelievable season, he was averaging 35 touches of the football again game. So 35 seems to be the magic number for the Manly Seagulls. When he's gone under that average this year, they've lost quite convincingly. When he's gone over it, uh, they win those games of football. So something to keep in mind there. Good to see Turbo getting involved. Our boy Kula, uh, he played his first game this year. Uh, sorry, I think it was his second game. He, play, he played off the bench in round one, but he was great. Um, 158 metres, had a try assist, looked damaging, was good in D. Um, had a couple of errors. Had one where he sort of offloaded from his own 10 or 15 and threw the ball into the crowd which was disappointing. He was filthy with himself. Um, 
But I really like seeing young guys when they make mistakes like that because it takes balls in your first game as centre, starting centre in that side to throw that offload on your own 15. It shows that he backs himself and he's confident in his ability. Uh, so they're the sort of errors that as much as you don't like to see him, it says to you that this kid is confident and he backs himself. And when you're as quick and as talented as he is, when you back yourself like that, fuck, it is dangerous. Um, I mean, that's the sort of confidence I'm not seeing out of a Tony Staggs, for example, at the moment. Yeah, he went looking for the ball. He was keen. He ran for 150 metres, came up with that play, but he backed himself in there, which I like to see. So uh, I think he has to stay on the side moving forward, to be honest with you. I'm not sure how they make that work, uh, but I think he has to be there somewhere cooler. I think he's too good to leave out of this side. Uh, the Raiders, as I said at the start, um, they're just inconsistent. It's a very big worry. You're seeing more and more of the Canberra Raiders we saw last year. Round one, I was very excited about it and thought they looked good, but since then, um, they really haven't been overly impressive, the Canberra Raiders. If anything, they've been really disappointing. Um, and, you know, there's game. there's been games where they've got up. I think they won week two. They lost uh, sorry, they won week one, they lost week two, they won week three, then they lost this week. I mean, it's just that inconsistency. And it's a different football team that you see every single week. And we just, we can't keep on doing this with the Canberra Raiders. They've got to sort their shit out because they're too much of a good team to be this inconsistent, in my opinion. Uh, and, and you can see it in Ricky Stewart's face. It's just getting harder and harder to watch every week. It's a tough gig. Uh, the late game, we saw the North Queensland Cowboys take on the Sydney Roosters. The Chooks doing a real number on them. Uh, we, we did say we thought the Roosters would win this one. Cowboys a little bit more disappointing than what I anticipated. Now, obviously, the elephant in the room, uh, the Cowboys had three sim bins, but to be honest with you, I thought the Roosters were the better side the entire way. I mean, even if there wasn't sim bins, I'm still so confident uh, the Chooks win this game. The first sim bin, I think it was Tommy Gilbert that went off. The reality is that if Tom Gilbert didn't commit that sim bin, they would have conceded a try. So you can blame it on refs or whatever, but I think the Roosters really earned uh, at least two of those sim bins, to be honest with you. They are putting a lot of pressure on the Cowboys. So I think the better team won here. I don't think there's any arguing that. I think Joey Manu... He really put his hand up for potentially, well, outside of Ryan Pappenhausen and probably Siffa. So, yeah, he probably didn't put his hand up for player of the week. But I thought he was so damaging in this game. It was not funny. Top five performance of the week, without a doubt. In a week with some really good individual performers. Uh, Two try assists, two tries, five tackle breaks, one line break, two line break assists. He was dynamic, Joey Manu. He was incredible. Had Kev Naguama outside him. He played his first game of NRL in a very long time. So, great to see Kev back. Scored a media as well. Well done to him, Place Billy Smith, who I believe uh, Billy is set to return in round six or round seven. So it actually gives Kevin uh, a fair opportunity here to try and uh, own that right wing spot. You've got Joey Manu coming back from injury as well. He's played the last few weeks in Reggie's. So interesting to watch that little battle at the Chooks. Victor Radley uh, had a shocker against South Sydney last week. Missed some really soft tackles. One in particular um, that let Cam Murray go through. And whilst, you know, I'm sure Radley and Murray would get along fine. They'd be all good. Murray is, you know, Radley's arch rival in rugby league. He is the 13 for the South Sydney Rabbitohs. He's the Rabbitohs junior. He's the mascot boy that's come through. Radley He's the Cloverly Crocodile that's come all the way through the two opposing 13s. And Cam Murray, I don't think there's any arguing that he has stepped in front of Victor Radley over the last 18 months. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You got to remember before that, Rudds had won two premierships at 13, was very successful. But Murray, over the last year or so, and whether it be injury or suspension, Radley's just given Murray too many bites at the cherry when it comes to big performances, origin games, etc. Uh, so a really big bounce back game for Radley after a disappointing game last week against the Cowboys. One try, two line breaks, four tackle breaks, one offload, 37 tackles, only one missed tackle, and he ran for 163 metres. So what under Rad's sensational to see. I did did mention that last week was a really poor defensive effort from him. He backed it up this week with 37 tackles and one missed tackle. Shout out to Satili Tupanua, who had an absolute shocker in defense last week. We mentioned it on the Bloke in a Bar podcast, and he bounced back well. 29 tackles with only one missed tackle, which was great to see. I thought the two Roosters boys up front, uh, Rhea Hargraves and Collins, were great. I thought Takiyaho was good too, but Rhea Hargraves and Collins, they really stepped up in this game, and they've probably been a little bit quieter uh, than what you would hope in the first few weeks. So well under those boys. I thought they I thought they looked really strong. Cowboys, honestly, not a heat to read into here. I personally thought they were lucky that the scoreboard didn't go out a little bit further. Um than what it did. And that's with all due respect uh to the North Queensland Cowboys. But it just wasn't a, an impressive performance by any means. I thought Dean was was decent once again. He's having a good season. Taumalolo did his job. Ruben Cotter came on uh, and got through a heap of work. But outside of that, a pretty disappointing performance uh, from the North Queensland Cowboys. They've started the season well, and now they'll start to get some big tests. They obviously haven't left Queensland yet as well, which is interesting. They've played three games in uh, North Queensland and one at Brisbane. Um, they actually play at Redcliffe next week, which is unbelievable. So they're not going to leave... Queensland until um, round six, which is crazy. They go to Canberra round seven. They're at home again against the Gold Coast Titans. That's unbelievable. In the first seven weeks, they are only going to leave Queensland once, which is wild. They then go to Darwin to play the Cow- to play the Parramatta Eels, and then in round nine, they have to go to Penrith to play. No, in round nine, they are going to. Jeez, they're back up at Queensland playing the Knights. Fuck, they've got so many games in Queensland to start this season. It's not even funny. They must be away for a lot in the back end, which could really come back to bite them in the ass. See how it plays out. Look, oh, I think the Cowboys have played really well so far this season. They've had one really poor performance on the weekend. So same as Newcastle, not going to completely write them off here or you know completely shit on them. It was a poor performance, but we'll give the, the Cowboys the opportunity to respond and to bounce back because they have looked good so far this year. Let's move to the Sunday afternoon game. Uh, Melbourne Storm all over the Canterbury Bulldogs, 44-0. Look, I'd be honest with you, I don't think Canterbury were as bad as 44-0 says. I feel sorry for them. Melbourne were the better team. Do not get me wrong. Uh, but, yeah, I thought they were pretty hard done by. Just just some stats for you. The Storm missed 27 tackles. Canterbury missed 20. So they actually missed seven less tackles than the Melbourne Storm. Uh, the Storm ran for 463 post-contact metres. Canterbury ran for 453. So Melbourne ran for 10 more post-contact metres. The big difference, uh, the Melbourne Storm ran for 500 more normal metres uh, than the than the Canterbury Bulldogs, which is crazy. I'm not sure if that stat... I mean, in the, in the NRL.com stats, it says it's right, but whether it is or not, I'm not sure. You need to consider that the Melbourne Storm, they did run the length on a couple of occasions. I think it was three occasions. So that obviously helped that. But interesting to see their post-contact metres. Only 10, the difference. The Dogs made 11 errors. Melbourne made 10 uh, so, like, stats-wise, there really wasn't a heap between these two teams. I mean, Melbourne missed more tackles than what Canterbury did, but 
this is where you need to be considering the tackles that they are missing, and then it's their it's their defense after the missed tackles. Yeah, it's your it, 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 it's your scrappy defense where, where where you pick up around the back. And this is something we spoke about on Bloke in a Bar last week that the good teams they can miss tackles, but they work together. Yeah, they they get scrappy, they scramble, and they make it work. I couldn't think of the word scramble for about thirty seconds there, as I'm sure you guys could tell. Uh, but yeah, some interesting stats there. Ryan Pappenhausen, incredible. I think he scored twenty eight points in this game. So. Ryan Pappenhausen, he scored 28 points. So him on his own, he would have beaten the Titans, the Tigers, the Sharks, the Knights, the Panthers, the Rabbitohs, the Warriors, the Broncos, the Seagulls, the Raiders, the Cowboys would have had a draw with the Chooks, uh, would have obviously beaten the Canterbury Bulldogs and would have beaten the Dragons. He would have beaten or had a draw with every single time in the every single team in the NRL this week, except the Parramatta Eels, which is just batshit crazy in one game. Pappy, he was on fire in this game. He looks so good. Super coach wise, I said he'd be my captain this week. He was. The rest of my team went pretty shit, to be honest with you, so I haven't really taken much advantage of it. Uh, but yeah, Pappy has been very close every single game this week to scoring a heap of points. He's been unlucky on a few of occasions. Heap of things went his way in this game, and this is what he's capable of. A close to 200 point score. Very impressive from him. Uh, Melbourne, they just make you pay for every mistake. I actually thought Canterbury, there was an argument there that they were the better team for the first 15 or 20 minutes. But every time they made a mistake, Melbourne ran it all the way to the other end and scored. So I think it was 12 nil, and Melbourne had been tackled in Canterbury's half five times, which is just unbelievable to be leaving 12 nil in the modern game. I feel sorry for Canterbury. They're on the big end of this huge scoreline. But I didn't think they were as bad as what that scoreline suggests. But... Fuck, it's a rattling thing to have on the scoreboard going into next week. It sort of just brings back demons of last year, you know. Uh, so, yeah, feel sorry for Canterbury. I don't think they were that bad. They definitely weren't good, don't get me wrong. But I think that there's a lot of teams in this competition that they could have competed with uh, yesterday afternoon. But, you know, it remains to be seen. Melbourne Storm, very good. There's no doubting that. Uh, they're just such a good system. It's scary. And they probably still aren't at their best either, to be honest with you. Uh, the late game, Parramatta over the Dragons, 48-14. to 14. Dragons making some pretty rogue decisions here as far as dropping young kids a moan. He dropped to the bench. Sloan wasn't in the team. I didn't really understand this one. I mean, in saying that, there's a lot of decisions that Hook makes that I don't understand. I've never understood, but they quite often turn out for the better. I don't think this one was the right decision. I think this was a poor call. Uh, I would have kept the boys in there, especially Amone. He only played him for 14 minutes at the back end of the game. You probably needed him a little bit earlier to stay in this game. Jack Bird, I love him. He's a great footballer, but I just don't think 5-8's the spot for Birdie. You've got to play Amone there. Keep him there. Uh, let him grow there. Go through the growing pains. I just, I don't, it just doesn't make sense to me. If you're going to drop a Monet, you drop him so that he can go back to Reggie's and play a full game there and work on the things you want him to work on. Playing him for 14 minutes off the bench, just a fucking waste, in my opinion. They, they would have known about this on Tuesday. There's not a hope in hell they moved Jack Bird to 5'8 in the last 24 hours without practicing it. They would have done worked with this all week to drop a moan. Just, I don't know, it just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, Mosin Byatt, fullback. I mean, once again, I, I just, why. I just don't think Sloan's been that bad. I'm not sure if he played reserve grade this week or not. I hope he did. If, if you're going to drop him, I hope that you let him go back and play reserve grade. I'm just going to go and check that because if you didn't, I just think what a fucking waste. What is the point? Obviously, Amon didn't play. He came off the bench. Uh, we'll have a look at the Dragons game. So they, play, they played Sunday. Yeah, so you'd have to assume that Sloan did play in this game. I hope so. Let's have a look. 
Uh, teamless, Jonathan Rubin, winger. Jeez, oh, did Sloan play? Sloan did play, okay. So he played in Jersey 21. So good to see him go back to reserve grade. If you're going to drop... I, I, I don't think they should have dropped him, but I don't have a huge issue with it if you let him go back and play reserve grade, which is where Amon should have been, in my opinion. There's just no point dropping this guy, then not playing him in first grade, and then playing him off the bench. Just makes no sense to me. Um, yeah, I mean, for, for the Dragons, I thought Ben Hunt was sensational. He had 70 touches of the football, which I think was the most for a halfback this weekend. Incredible stuff. He was just doing everything. I said in the preseason, when you see Benny Hunt starting to hip and and, and wrap around, goes shows how confident he is at the moment. And uh, he's just doing every, everything for the Dragons. They need to find a support crew for him, though. Parramatta, though, I can't... I mean, I've just spent a few minutes talking about the Dragons. It should all be about Parramatta. They were very impressive. Moses and Mitch Brown... Mitch Brown, good God. I'm going back to the Canterbury days. Moses and Dylan Brown, our boy. Uh, great performance by these two. Between the two of them, three tries. Three try assists, 250 metres, six tackle breaks, two line break assist, 40 tackles. Uh, they missed six tackles. They were all by Mitch Moses. So Dylan Brown went 26-0. The standout for me that I absolutely love, though, and it's a decent stat to have a look at, um, these guys combined, they had 110 receipts, so 110 touches of the football. They went exactly 55 each, which is a great balance to have, 55 on the nose each. Uh, should be noted, last week, the split was 52 to Dylan Brown, 45 to Mitch Moses. They won that game. The week before, they lost. The split was 60 to Moses, 43 to Brown. And then in week one, when they won, Moses had 41 touches. Brown had 32 but I want you to consider that Dylan Brown played a lot of that game at centre. Uh, Jake Arthur came on. He had 35 touches in 45 minutes. The games that they win, Mitch Moses isn't playing like Ben Hunt. He isn't having 70 and 80 touches and 60 touches. He's splitting it pretty evenly with with his 5'8". So something to keep an eye on there. Whenever Dylan Brown has the same amount or more touches uh, than that of Mitch Moses, they tend to win more games of football. So something to keep an eye on there, just the balance of how it works. Just to give you an example, their opposition, Ben Hunt, he had 70 touches of the football. Jack Bird had 40. So 30 touches different there, which you understand in in, in the position the Dragons are in with a new 5'8", and Ben Hunt and the halfback he is. But the Paramount Eels, the way that they balance themselves out, the way that these halves are working together is very impressive. Shout out to uh, Dylan Brown. That first try score was just vintage Dylan Brown. Sensational. Mitch Moses sort of scored a great one off a kick too. Just proper eyes up footy sort of shit, which we absolutely love to see. So those two doing very, very well. Uh, uh, you know, the back five outside of Bailey Simonson for the Parramatta Eels, very good. Mitch uh, Clint Gutherson, 209 metres as per usual. Wonga Blake, 201. Another really good game from Wonga Blake, scoring two tries. Good to see him make up for a couple of bed shits last week. Although Will Penasini, one of his better games of the season so far, uh, 120 runs, one line break, one try assist. Uh, good to see there. Two offloads there. Uh, 21 tackles, only two missed tackles. So good to see. Uh, Parramatta's forward pack, you know, just as per, they they put it to them. Uh, you had Junior Paulo, Junior Paolo, sorry, who's a little bit quiet, only 84 run metres, but RCG, 121. Isaiah Papali, 136. Nathan Brown, 115. Makatoa, 121. Madison, 128. Uh, Bryce Cartwright, what about that flick pass? Just doing things that only Bryce Cartwright can do. Look, a really good team performance by the Parramatta Eels. Scoring 48 is all good and well. We know that Parramatta can score 48 points on any given week. Keep, keeping the Dragons to just 14 points, though. Really good to see. Parramatta have probably conceded more points this year than what they would have liked, so I'm sure that will be the thing that will please 
Brad Arthur the most. Uh, guys, that's our rapid review for round four. Have a couple more podcasts coming today, and then stay tuned over the next 24 hours. We'll be breaking down all of the game reviews, deep dives into every single game from the Bloke in a Bar podcast featuring myself, Denim Kemp, and of course the great Shandor Earl, who's joining us now every single week. So plenty more to come on the Rugby League Guru podcast from Bloke in a Bar, and plenty more to come just of our stuff too. Plenty to talk about when it comes to Supercoach Draft. A couple of, of players we want to highlight this week and a couple of matchups that we think are really interesting heading into round five.